Hey, what's up? It's David L. Gray here. Hey, uh, I noticed the other day that I was going through my videos, and I noticed I never posted a story about my, my Catholic conversion, which I thought was weird. I mean, I posted interviews, people interviewing me about my conversion, and I, in other videos, I, I said, you know, some pieces and parts of my conversion, but I've never just came out and said, hey, this is how I ended up converting to the Catholic Church. So, and I thought I owed it to you guys because over the years, man, you guys have kind of like beat me up in the comment box. I mean, anytime, if I, anytime I like post a video and I even mention something about the Catholic Church, you guys just jump all in there like and say just like some really stupid stuff, crazy stuff. You'd be like, hey, David, you're smart. How can you be Catholic? Like, come on, really? Like, or, or hey, David, you're stupid. You pray to Mary. Like, and that's that's really like one of those common. That's the most common thing I get in there. Like, yeah, you pray to Mary. No, we don't pray to Mary like you think we do. We're, we're using two different words. Catholics prayer for us just means petition. Okay. Now we only believe that there's only one way to pray as Catholics, and that's in Jesus' name. But we do believe in something called intercessory prayer. That's when you ask, petition, pray someone else to pray for you. Um, this is like me, I'm asking, you know, Bob here, hey Bob, I'm going through something, can you pray for me? Bob is gonna pray in Jesus' name. And there's people in heaven, we believe, that will hear our prayers. Yes, that's in the Bible, read Revelation. And that, and Maccabees. <laughs> that will hear our prayers and they'll pray for us in Jesus' name. So something we've been doing for 2,000 years, we know it works. So yes, we believe in intercessory prayer with the whole church, the church on earth and the church in heaven. And yes, it's biblical. And that's another thing. That's another common thing I get in con box. Like, hey, David, how can you be Catholic? What you believe isn't in the Bible. Um, the Catholic Church put the Bible together. So we believe everything that's in our Bible. Um, and we existed three centuries before we even decided to put a Bible together. So no, we don't, we were putting books, we signed what books are going to be in the Bible. We didn't know you were coming. <laughs> we didn't know you were coming 1500 years later. And it's going to be like, Hey, prove to me what you believe is in the Bible. We're older than the Bible. <laughs> Our religion is older than the Bible. So it, it didn't, it didn't have to be in there. When we decided to put the Bible together, what books were going to be in there. The, our primary interest was the continuity of the readings at mass at our worship and so no we, we didn't know you were coming if we, if we did we might have put in some more books in there so we can prove to you everything that we believe is in our bible but no we, we we're, we're a pre-bible religion and we agree with everything that's in there we just don't agree with your interpretation of our book especially if your bible is missing seven books all right because our bible has 73 books and sometimes yours has what 66 um, if you're a protestant so so yeah we believe everything that's in there we don't always agree with your interpretation and that's fine stephen king may not always agree with your interpretation of his book okay but yeah uh, what's another common one and i, I think there's just a basic misunderstanding that too many people in the comment box, you guys, I think you always want to judge Catholicism by Protestant standards without realizing that these are two completely different religions. Yes, we have a couple things in common, all right, but those are just some surface level things. Once you pull back that little thin veil, these are two completely different religions, so you can't really judge one by looking at another. And I know that Protestantism only exists to protest. I get that, that the protests only exist because of something that is protesting, okay? If you take away the thing that that thing is protesting, then there's no longer a protest. So I understand that 
Protestantism has to try to judge Catholicism by standards because that's what the protest is about. I get that. But it's, it's a wrong way to look at Catholicism. So yeah, that's for these reasons, I think I really owe you guys my conversion story. Um, so here it goes. I became Catholic because I became convinced of eight different things. And, and I grew up in a very Protestant family. And what I mean by that is that all my family members belonged to a different Protestant denomination. And I, on, Sunday, on Sundays, I would go to a different Protestant denomination, oftentimes with them. But, but at no point in time during my youth did anyone ever sit me down and explain to me who the person Jesus Christ is. So I guess it was just assumed that I would just fall in line and just go along. By the time I got to university, I was a agnostic with some deistic leanings. That is, I was open to the idea of there being a God, but Jesus was not real because his followers were confused. They belonged to all these different denominations. None of them agreed on much of anything with the other one, except that the other Protestant denomination is wrong and they're right. I can imagine what type of God lets his people just remain confused and hides the truth from them. I mean, what, what type of God is that? And I knew the Old Testament fairly well back then. And one thing I knew about the Old Testament is that the God of Israel was one. And he kept his people together as one. They had one temple, one priesthood, one faith. But these followers of Jesus, they did not have that unity. So I was convinced that Jesus was not real. And years after college, years of being my own God and making a number of bad decisions, um, I got into a situation that I knew wasn't going to turn out well for me, uh, legally. And um, I, I didn't want to be that dad. Um, away from my fathers and not being able to raise them in a whole life. But what I was doing, it was, I knew it was, it was turning into a habit at this point and I was out of control and I couldn't stop on my own. And don't be, don't worry about what I was doing. We don't got no time for that to be telling that part of the story. Just that's, that's the details. We don't get that long in this video. So just keep up. Anyway, like I was saying, I felt that I, I couldn't stop. And so October 31st, 2003, I remember getting down on my knees in my office and praying to God for one of the first times. And I remember asking God, I said, God, if you're real, right, this is how a great prayer started, right? God, if you're real, you should be able to help me stop doing what I'm doing. And sure enough, I wake up the next morning and I go um, to work and nothing's there. I mean, there, there's no temptation, there's nothing. In fact, when I even think about doing what I was doing, I get repulsed by, by just thinking about it. I get the feeling of the nausea. I feel like I wanted to vomit just, just thinking about it. And I was like, wow, <laughs> God is real. And maybe he is interested in my life. Now, Christianity was still off the table, but I was convinced that this is a miracle and God is real. Remember I told you that I was doing something that may get me caught up with the law? Well, it did. Um, basically, the prosecutors had stated that over a course of a number of years, I had wire transferred money belonging to the government out of their bank account into my bank account without their explicit permission. Which I didn't know was a crime. I mean, because for as long as I had been working, the government had always taken money out of my paycheck and put it into their bank account without my explicit permission. 
I just thought that was our relationship. I thought that's what we were doing to one another. So turns out that that wasn't the case. So what I learned was that you can only take money from people without their explicit permission if you call it a tax, a T-A-X. Okay, so, so, so now I know. Okay, so I had to pay back all the money that I had taken from the government without their permission and they didn't have to pay me any my money back. So that was that. And um, I felt that I had lost everything. My wife, my, my kids, my money, my college degrees, um, my little song fame that I had accumulated. Really, the, everything that I felt made me me, that gave me value in life, I felt that I had lost. And I was empty. And I had nothing. I had no reason to live. And even though I was a deist at this point, um, heaven and hell was still something I really wasn't convinced about. So really, the, the best way for me to really deal with this pain of of having nothing, of losing everything, was just just kill myself. Take myself out. So I tried to kill myself by suffocating myself, asphyxiation. I put a bag on my head. Um, I turned a sheet into a knot wrapped around my head. And I began to turn myself. And I found about the second and a half turn, I heard a voice. And the voice said, as clear as a bell, I love you. I am here. Who said that? And I, and I, I look around. Well, who was that? You know, asking my head. And then the answer that came back in my head was, <laughs> it was Jesus. It's like the, the sheep just knows the shepherd's voice. I just somehow intuitively knew that it was Jesus? Wrong answer. But how could it be Jesus, David? Remember, David, Jesus' fiction? Remember that story we've been telling ourselves? Nope, <laughs> that was Jesus. I heard the voice. <laughs> Couldn't deny it any longer. So I became convinced that Jesus is real. And then I pick up a Bible. In fact, this Bible that a fraternity brother gave me a, a few weeks prior. And then for the first time in my life, I read the Gospels. And I become convinced on an even deeper level that Jesus is real. Because no one can make up these stories. I mean, this, this is just, it was just, I mean, everything I thought about Christianity, <laughs> that it was a, a way to enslave and entrap people, was it was opposite of what Jesus was teaching. He was teaching the opposite of slavery, teaching like a, a true freedom. And, and his teachings were so revolutionary, so countercultural, so hard, so difficult, that, that who would accept these things? And even he's not even worried about losing disciples. I, I read John 6, and he's, he's like, everybody leave. You're like, I don't care. I mean, he, he, he seemed to be a man on a singular mission who came from above. And I read that there were like eyewitness accounts after a resurrection, like 500 people saw him. And, and the writer says, you can go find those people and they'll tell you this story. I mean, 2,000 years ago, everything fundamentally changed on the entire planet after this person named Jesus Christ came. I mean, I, I was like, I was just astounded. I mean, heretofore, I just thought, Christianity or Jesus was something that was made up by the white man to control people. <laughs> I was young. 
but, but the teachings were just opposite of control. I mean, I, I, I just became utterly convinced that Jesus is real. So I'm a Protestant now because, you know, this is, you know, by default, because this is a Protestant country. And, you know, in this country, when you accept Jesus Christ, you just automatically become a Protestant. And so I'm going to Protestant church services now. But, but remember, I told you that I didn't accept Protestantism or Christianity in the past because of all these denominations. But now I'm that hypocrite. I'm, I'm that, that person who I used to laugh at and mock. So I'm, I'm the one up here trying to decide what's, what's true and what's not true. I'm trying to make those decisions, right? And I'm trying to find a Protestant denomination that, that fits in with what I believe the Bible says and teaches. And now these Christians are telling me that, well, it's an invisible unity, that we're, we're really one in spirit. Well, that's a dumb spirit. <laughs> I mean, what type of spirit is so weak that he can't unify us visibly in the body? I mean, that, that doesn't make any sense to me. This whole thing, it, 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 just, it just wasn't working for me. So I, I decided just to stop going to church because I feel like I'm being a hypocrite. I can't find the justification for denominations in the Bible. Uh, and so, and, but then that doesn't work because then I read the Bible and it says, well, I can't forsake the assembly. Clearly in Matthew 16, Jesus he is right there that he did start a church. So I become convinced that Jesus Christ did start a church and that I have to belong to that church. Otherwise, I'm being completely disobedient. I mean, Jesus stepped out of eternity. He became man for our sake and he started a church. And I, I became convinced that I have no right whatsoever to belong to some church that some man started if Jesus Christ's church is still here. So I become convinced that I have to find his church. Where is it at? So, okay, now, now now I'm starting to doubt the voice I heard because, I mean, this is confusing. I mean, how can I be expected to find his church in this sea of churches? And I can't be the only one asking this question. I mean, because surely if Jesus' church is here, then people would actually belong to it. No, no one would belong to some church that, that Creflo Dollar or, or somebody started if Jesus' church is here. So it didn't. It wasn't making any sense, so I began to doubt. So I said to Jesus, Jesus, you should be powerful enough to keep your people together. Keep your church together. You're the one who said that the gates of hell wouldn't prevail against your church. So this is what I'm about to do, Jesus. I'm about to go look for your church. And if I can't find it, I'm going to go ahead and dismiss that voice that I heard. The one that said, I love you, I'm here. I'm going to dismiss it as just being something, some little blow in the wind. Because obviously, you're not God if you can't keep your people together and lead them to the truth. So, I, I just figure the best place to start looking for the church that Jesus Christ started was just trying to find out what happened to the churches we read about in the Bible. The church at Rome and Cornuth and Philippi and Galatia and Colossia, all, all those churches, what happened to them? I mean, that's that's really the, the best, just the basic place to start. Because not, Also, those churches seem to have their stuff together. Now, they, they seem like one community. They all believe in the same thing. They all are under some sort of this one authority. When Peter and James, they meet at the council, I can decide the whole eating pork thing. Um, they, this is just one community with one authority. So... That's really the best place to start. What happened to those churches? 
So on day one of my research, just doing historical research, I find out on day one that those churches in the Bible ain't the Protestant church. It, it ain't. You know, it ain't them. Those, those are something else. I became reconvinced that the Protestant church is not the true church because they, they disappear in the 15th century. No, no one can find them. And so I was, I was right about those Protestants all along. Then the Anglican church disappears about the same time. And then the Waldesian church, it, it disappears at around the 1100s. And then I really get deep in history. And I, I'm reading people like Ignatius of Antioch, Irenaeus, Clement of Rome. And these dudes are talking about a pope? They're calling the church Catholic? They're writing letters to the same churches that we read about in the Bible? Whoa, now wait a minute. Wait a minute, minute, minute. Wait one, two minute. The Catholic Church is still here? Wait, 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 wait. I, I must have done something wrong in, in my, my research here. So I go back and I try. Nope. Same thing. <laughs> Same thing. So I become convinced, <laughs> at least historically, I become convinced historically that the churches that I read about in the Bible did early on in the late first or early century did start calling themselves the Catholic Church. They were still one community and it was this community of churches who were persecuted and sometime in the fourth century, early first century, these were the churches that came out and they met at the, the Council of Nicaea. These were the churches that figured out the date of Easter and all these this it was this community of, of churches that historically is seems to be the Catholic Church today. Okay, I, I, I just can't become Catholic. Come on, God, really? I didn't even know black people could be Catholics. I mean, who ever heard of a black Catholic? Oh, so okay, I, I got this figured out now. All right, so. Historically, the paper trail is there. I can't deny that. I'm convinced, okay, that the churches of the Bible did start calling themselves the Catholic Church, and that church doesn't seem to ever stop existing. But, but, what if I can prove that what the Catholic Church teaches today is not what this church believed early on in the first, second, and third century? Now, if I can prove that, if I can prove some sort of deviation, some sort of great apostasy, then I'll be off the hook. <laughs> I won't have to become Catholic. So I pick up this exact book. You, you can see it's kind of it's kind of beat up now and worn because <laughs> I've I worked it. I, I picked up this exact book and I read it. N nightmare scenario. <laughs> nightmare scenario. The catechism is footnoted with, with quotes from the early church fathers proving that what the Catholic Church believes today, they've always believed. <laughs> I mean, theologically, this book made so much sense. I mean, everything that had been confused about as a Protestant was made clear to me. Maybe because the church actually put the Bible together, kind of understands their own Bible. They have more books in the Bible. They have these things called sacraments. They've always believed in in the beginning. They even have this teaching that the communion, bread and wine, is the actual 
body and blood of Jesus Christ and they've always believed that? Wait a minute, wait a minute. That, that's that's kind of far out there. But they've always believed that and they're like the only church that teaches that. And they, they even believe this thing about their church extends from earth to heavens and that they're, they're, all their members are in communion with another and that they intercede for one another in prayer. Wait a minute. That that that, that too. That that's kind of that's kind of far out there, my friend. But they have proof that it works. So I become convinced now, theologically, that the churches of the Bible are in union with theologically the church today in regards to the sacraments. Later, I learned that the correct terminology here is a word called subsist. The early church subsist in a Catholic church today. So what I learned was that if you are going to convert from Protestantism to Catholicism, that you have to forget everything, everything that you ever been told, everything that you ever heard about the Catholic church, you just throw it out the window because it's been told from an anti-Catholic perspective. If you're from, you know, if you live in a Protestant country, everything you've been told is probably a lie, a myth made up. So you have to throw it all out the window so you have to be like the cart and just just start off a clean slate and start from the beginning that's what i learned and and, and and that means that one of the primary gifts one of the, the primary gifts from god that you have to be given to be successful in this journey is the gift of humility the gift of daring to be wrong pride doesn't work in this journey pride just doesn't work you have to be humble now when i first started this journey i thought i was gonna if i was gonna find the, the churches of the bible i thought that i would probably find some maybe small recluse community that had a small number of followers and that something like the waldesians but even older and somewhere in the middle east and i thought i was gonna like to have to travel there and, and learn the truth learn original apostolic teachings, learn the old ways. But the Catholic Church? Really? Jesus really played a trick on me. <laughs> he got me. Got him. So I become convinced that I have to join the Catholic Church because what the church teaches is true. And clearly, historically, and theologically, it's proven that it is the church of the apostles and i don't and i'm convinced i do not have a right a human right as, as a child of god to belong to some church that some man started on his own or even start my own church i have to join his church and i found it i'm convinced now mind you this was 2006 right when this this round of the sex abuse scandals was starting to die down and i actually thought about using that as an excuse to not have to join the catholic church but then i really started reading this guy named joseph ratzinger who was at this time pope benedict the 16th and i encountered one of the, the smartest one of the most brilliant minds i have ever read and i, I really just become convinced that yes the catholic church has has some of the worst, some of the most evil members in the history of this world. 
But it was not because of what the church teaches. Rather, it was in spite of what the church teaches that these men on their own had rejected the truth and had been given in to the flesh and to evil. They were evil, yes, but not because of what the church teaches, but rather because they rejected what the church teaches. And is that not the same evil that all men share? So after I made it through that hurdle, I was convinced that I had to, to find a Catholic priest and I have to ask him, how do I become Catholic? Because at this point, I have, I'm convinced, I have no other place to go. I have to become a Catholic. Father Toner from St. Joseph Parish in the Diocese of Columbus said, we can start next week. I'll bring you a book to study. And on August 8th, 2006, the feast of St. Dominic, I'm confirmed to the Catholic Church, taking the name David St. Joseph Gray as my confirmation name. And ever since then, I've I just been kind of chuckling. Sometimes I'm at Mass and I'm on my knees and I'm just, you know, I just kind of chuckle and kind of giggle when I look at the cross and think about this is how the journey ended. Um, God brought me, of all people, into the Catholic Church. And it's, it's been the best journey of my life. It's been the best thing that's ever happened to me and my whole household. Now we're all Catholic, my wife and all my daughters. And it's, it's kind of funny that, you know, I challenged God in the beginning. That, you know, I told him that he must not be God. That if he can't keep his church together. <laughs> Obviously he did. Obviously he did. And so, that's my conversion story. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope I made it entertaining for you and easy to listen to. But I hope you maybe learned something along the way or, or hope that you've, you've been reinvigorated in your faith, your own faith journey. And if you're not a Catholic, I'm not here to tell you to become Catholic. But I am here to tell you to ask the right questions. Maybe my questions were wrong. Maybe people do can join whatever church they want to. Maybe it doesn't matter that Jesus Christ actually stepped out of eternity and started a church for you, gave you this gift. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that doesn't matter. Maybe you can just start your own church and join somebody else's church. Maybe that maybe that's okay. But I don't believe it is.